I um, I'm honored to get to be here. Um, you know, it's 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 hard for a pastor to give up his pulpit. You know, there's there's times when it's needed. They they need a break. They need rest. Obviously, there's things going on. But it's hard sometimes for a for a pastor to give up his pulpit because you know it talks about that 99. You're you're the flock here. You're his sheep. And he protects those sheep very diligently. So I find it an honor to be able to stand here before you this morning. I know that um, Ron and I try to come here as, as often as we can. We're on the road a lot and we travel a lot. I, I am, uh, I guess I self-titled myself an outdoor evangelist. I'd rather be outdoors than inside, so um, that sounded better. But we travel a lot. We work um, with several ministries around the country in mostly dealing with um, our wounded veterans, uh, some disabled and challenged individuals. But we spend a lot of our focus dealing with um, wounded veterans with PTSD, and we have a couple of ministries that we work with that offer outdoor therapy events. Uh, we do several hunts, uh, fishing events, different things. And um, through those, we're able to, to contact with these wounded veterans, these guys that are struggling, that are challenged, there is a, st- a statistic out there that's actually very short, very low, um, that we lose 22 of our American veterans every day to suicide. That's ridiculous. What do we do about it? <laughs> we're, the, we're the change. We're their hope because we know who can save them. We know who can bring healing to them. Uh, so I would challenge you if, you, if you currently, if you know someone who struggles with PTSD, PTS, whatever you want to call it, um, feel free to contact me. I'd be glad to, if I can find some help for them. There are a lot of organizations. We work with one here, right here in the state called Wounded Veterans of Oklahoma. Uh, we work with Peterson Outdoor Ministries in the Joplin, Missouri area. Uh, multitudes of things going on um, throughout that. Matter of fact, Ron and I will be leaving next Friday. We'll go to Springdale, Arkansas for a Christian Waterfowlers Association event where I'll do the morning Devo and then we'll be there with um, some material about the uh, reboot combat recovery program and things that we do <laughs> with our our, our uh, veterans and i'll leave there saturday night and drive to lamar missouri and we'll get up sunday morning and i'll preach at the first baptist church of lamar missouri alongside of peterson outdoor ministries so uh, we'll be representing peterson's next weekend so a lot of things going on um love what we do and, and i love to share um i know that rick was rick was going to preach today and we had, I had conflict with calendars, and, and so we, he managed to flip with me, so, uh, so that was good. He'll, he'll give me the opportunity today, and, and um, when, I, when I'm given an opportunity to speak, I usually almost instantly know what I'm going to bring. I have a lot of what I, I guess you could call them canned sermons. I do some really cool stuff. I have a sermon I call the duck call sermon. I actually preach using a duck call. It's a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> I have, I have one called What Path Are You On? I've actually brought that to, to Amber's youth one time, and it's a story about a deer I saw on the road not too, you know, a few years back right here locally. And uh, so I tell the story about this deer and the path that he was on that day. And uh, I have one called A Crow and an Eagle that I, I actually, that's actually what I thought I was going to preach today, and that wasn't it. But um, it's pretty fun. You know, I saw this beautiful, majestic crow, or this crow, beautiful, majestic crow. doesn't fit, does it? <laughs> This eagle, I love bald eagles. I have bald eagle stuff all over my house. This eagle sitting at the top of a tree, and about two branches down was this old crow. And I thought, that's a funny picture. I mean, that's a funny picture. You think about this as majestic eagle. I mean, this, 
you know, this thing that represents freedom, you know, power. And then here's a crow. <laughs> and where do you usually see a crow? Beside a dead armadillo. So, I mean, that's a, that's a real, you know, big gap in pictures there. So anyway, but God poured a message into me over that. So I, I see things. I, I speak of things. Um, I, I do a lot of random stuff. If you follow me on Facebook, you see a lot of the Facebook lives that I do that are just random thoughts that God gives me throughout the time. And they're a lot of fun. This one, however, hopefully uh, will carry an impact with you today. Um, <laughs> Amber asked me, do you have a title? She'd ask me for scripture. So we're going to Revelations chapter 2, by the way. Revelations chapter 2. And she asked me about the title of my message. I said, uh, Revelation chapter 2. So there you have it. Revelation chapter 2. That's the title of this message this morning. Um, we're actually going to start in verse 1. You can follow along. Uh, I don't know how, what version you're using. I, I didn't note what I used on this one, but I use a lot of different versions of my study. Um, you know, you have so many. The NKJV, the NIV, the I also use the MOV, which is my own version, but I usually try to warn you when I'm using that one. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes that goes over real good, and other times it's just like chir- you know crickets chirping. <laughs> anyway, this this is actually uh, this this is my own version, but I'll I'll, I'll ad lib some of that in here. Revelation chapter two, starting with verse one. It says to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things. Says the he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Now I have to wonder about who he's referring to here. Who's big enough? Who's big enough to hold the seven stars in his right hand? So you, you want, I, want you to, I want you to get a picture of the reference that's being made here. You know, this, I want you to write these things. says, he who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and what you cannot bear those who, when you see those who are doing evil. And you have stood or tested those who say they are prophets and apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have, have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Man, that's, that's awesome. I mean, this is, this is like a, a, a building up of, of the body. This is like, man, you've done all of these cool things. You've done all of this good stuff. You know, you, you walk the way I walk. You talk the way I talk. You've done all these things. But in verse 4, there's always a but. This, this, my version actually says, nevertheless, but, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the Nicolaitans, the same as which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Those seven letters to the seven churches that are there in the, in the first part of, of Revelation carry quite an impact. Um, I actually titled one of my sermons one time, God's Pencil Has an Eraser. Because it talks about in the end of one of those letters where it says, if you'll do, if you'll repent, if you'll do the things I'm asking you to do, I'll not blot out your name from the Lamb's Book of Life. Listen, if your name ain't written in that book, you don't have a future. And there's only one way that your name gets in that book, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
in your, your repentance to him. But verse 2 simply says that God knows you. He knows your heart. That you strive to do what is right and to please him. I like that. That's like a pat on the back from God. That's pretty cool. I like, I like that. Verse 3 states that God knows you have been steadfast in your faith. You've worked diligently for him. You've been patient, waiting on his direction and blessing. That's, man, that's another quality. You know, that's another quality of servanthood, things that we do. Verse 4, however, says a great deal. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Now, I have to believe, and this, this is kind of my, my taking from this, that this is referring to the fact that we can get so busy trying to do the right thing. We can get so busy serving. We can get so busy doing the works of the church. We can get so busy doing all of the things that we're supposed to be doing, trying to please God, but we lose focus on the very real issue, our personal relationship with Him. See, without a personal relationship with Him, we don't, we don't have any hope. We don't have any future. You, know, you, 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 you struggle, we, challenge, we go through challenges in life, and, and things come, but, but for us who, who believe, for those who are connected to the King, Man, sometimes those things aren't, aren't as difficult. It's hard to walk through struggles and trials, but we have a hope that's within us. Our personal relationship with him is the most important. We have a task at hand. We have been commanded to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That, that didn't come to just Pastor Seth, Pastor Amber, or me. It came to all. I mean, when, you, when you look at that, when you look at that passage of scripture, when Jesus is talking, he said, he's talking to his disciples. What, what's a disciple? A follower. So if you call yourself a follower of Christ, and I've actually quit using the label Christian. Everybody calls themselves Christian these days. And I've seen some Christians I'd like to knock right upside the head. I mean, you know, they're, they're not living according to the word of God, but yet they're wearing this label. So I don't like labels. I don't like those things. So what I, I've decided to be, I'm going to be a follower of Christ. I'm not just a Christian. I'm a follower. And if I'm a follower, it means that I am following. Following his word, following his things, his teachings. So we have a task again. We are commanded to go into all the world. So he's telling his disciples this. You're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And I know what you're thinking. Yeah, I'm not so good with those words. You know, I don't know how to preach. Neither do I. <laughs> You'll learn that by the time we're done. <laughs> I'm not that good at this. <laughs> but but, but that's, he's called us to go along. St. Francis of Sicily said this, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And if necessary, use words. Man, I love that. I had that plastered all over my youth building when I was a youth pastor in, in New Mexico. Because that is so huge. You, you can speak volumes to people without ever saying a word. They know you. You know, you, you can be, oh, it's meddling. You can be sitting here this morning. You know, we dress up to come to church, right? I mean, I'm usually wearing shorts. I decided I wouldn't wear shorts today to be on the platform. But uh, uh, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's just we get casual sometimes, and sometimes we put on our good suits, you know, and sometimes we go do these things, and we go to church because that's what we're supposed to do on Sunday. We're supposed to go to church. You know, that's how I was raised. That's how you were raised. That's how we're all raised. We got to go to church on Sunday mornings. And if you're raised like I did, you got drugged to church on Sunday night and Wednesday night and Monday through Friday night when we're in revival and 
I, t- I tell people all the time I had a drug problem growing up. My mama drugged me to church all the time. <laughs> Speaking of which, my mom and stepdad are with us this morning. <laughs> I got to behave. No, I don't. She knows better. <laughs> she just had two knees replaced over a period of time, and I'm probably the cause of that. She wore the knees out. But I'm thankful for it because I've, I've preached a message about that too. Mamas, you're important. There's your good Mother's Day sermon right there. Quit, don't quit praying for your kids. Um, but we're to go into all the world. We're to make disciples. We're to make followers of all people. That's our task. That's the task that God gave us when we accepted him. That's our task. That's our role. There's going to be difficult times. Anybody here have a difficult time in your life? Maybe 20 minutes ago. I mean, they come at various times, and usually it's not a good time for a difficult time, but it happens. You know, I, I can tell you war stories of my own life, and I, and I can tell you that, that when I really began to be, um, think that I was being called into ministry, I, I struggled with it because I thought, yeah, you know, I, I grew up going to, to church. I grew up going to listen to these evangelists and they, they, with these youth conferences where they'd bring this guy in that's been shot seven times and stabbed 17 and... I'm thinking, God, I, I don't want to get shot. I don't want to get stabbed. I don't want to have a testimony like that. And I don't. I've never been shot. I've stabbed myself a few times with my knife, but I, I've not been shot. So I, you know, I'm thinking, how am I supposed to relate? And believe it or not, one of the very first things that happens to me in ministry, I took a youth pastor position in 1998, Durango, Colorado, Beautiful place, crazy people. Beautiful place, crazy people. Um, we were there about a year and a half, almost two years. And we moved down the hill to Farmington, New Mexico. And right off the bat, I have a skate park on my parking lot. Now, I know what you're thinking. You can't skate. Yeah, I can. <laughs> I had a skateboard. It might not be a pretty picture, but I can ride that sucker. I can't do many tricks. You know, I, I fall down a lot. That's... I can do that. I can fall off of it. But, I, you know, I wind up with a skate park. So here I wind up, this little redneck from Oklahoma who grew up wearing boots and hats and blue jeans and all I ever owned until I got into ministry. And I'm now dealing with all these kids with their saggy britches, you know, their skate park stuff, their, their rock and roll music, their crazy attitudes, and I'm thinking, Lord, I can't relate to this. He said, yeah, you can. You just got to be real. And I learned something. I later became a juvenile detention center chaplain. Farmington, New Mexico, San Juan County, biggest county in New Mexico, craziest county in New Mexico, crazy culture. You've got everything from Latino to the Native American culture and everything that comes with that. All their funky religions, all their belief systems, all their skinwalkers, they're whatever, you know, medicine men. I dealt with all of that stuff. And again, I'm thinking, I've never been in trouble. It was a challenge the first time they locked me in that place. I was kind of scared. I didn't like it. But when you hear those doors clank shut behind you, can you imagine that being a kid? You know, imagine that being a juvenile, someone who's under 18 years old. I dealt with them as low as 10 in this facility. The lifestyle that those people have out there is crazy. And, I, and again, I'm thinking, God, I don't have anything in common. I've never been in trouble with the law. 
I've never been locked up. And God said, exactly. Just show them I love them. All I had to do was be real. God showed me one of the coolest things in the world is just simply be real. All I was to do was present the truth. That was it. That was my job. It wasn't for me to save them. I can't save them. I can't change them. I can't change their house they're going back to. I can't change their circumstances. All I could do was present them with the truth and then allow them to accept it or not. Guys, that's all we're here to do today. We are to live the truth in front of those that we're around every day. Live according to the Word of God to the best of our ability. When we go through the challenge in the fire, we go through it with God. See, we have hope. There's times where God allows us to go through the desert. I don't know why. Again, I could tell you stories. I've got stories. I've, I've been through challenges. I've been through fires. I don't know why. Uh, one, probably one of my biggest ones that, that really had probably one of the most impactful things in my life was the loss of my father. I was 13 years old. Explain that to a 13-year-old kid. You know, here, here's his dad who's a Royal Ranger leader and a, you know, a, to, to me, I mean, a godly man. He loved to hunt, loved to fish. He was a nice guy. Everybody liked him. And God, in my mind, took him from me. How do you deal with that as a 13-year-old kid? I was mad. I was angry. I carried anger with me for years. It, it finally took this broken place in my life, another one of my struggles and my challenges, for God to really show me that he hadn't left me in the middle of that. He didn't cause any of that. I don't know why he allowed it. I probably never will fully understand that. But I can tell you that today, I can look back on that path from that moment to now. I do not know where I would be had that not happened. I preached a sermon called Twice Blessed. I have a man sitting right here who became my second father. He didn't ask to be. There's probably times he wanted to hang that one up. (laughs) But he became my second father. He filled a role in my life. And he continued to, to pour into me those godly things, everything he could. You know, I, I, I've been through a marriage. Most challenging thing, actually, it was probably it, it probably hit me harder than the loss of my father. But God blessed me again with a beautiful woman, who's not only not only a beautiful woman, she's a pastor's wife. She gets it. So now she travels with me, and we go everything, we go places, and and we travel, and we speak, and she understands that lifestyle. She understands that life, that calling, that her and her husband pastored for thirty years. You know, why did she go through what she did? I, 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 can't, I can't tell you that it was, it was to prep her to get to me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she didn't need more than 30 years to prep for me. <laughs> but God, the, the, so there's these things that we go through in life that we don't get, we don't understand. But God allows us to. They shape us. They form us. They form opinions. They, they create in us who we are and who he needs us to be. You know, I was able to use my stories. I, I use them every day. Talking to these guys that are going through hardships and struggles and challenges and loss. And we had a, a man that we met via Facebook. I'm a social butterfly, by the way. Um, I get accused of being on there too much, but I happened to be on there one evening. And a gentleman made a post on a, 
on a page that was, a, in my opinion, a desperate cry. So I just messaged him. Hey, man, just want you to know I love you and I'm praying for you tonight. That guy would stand right here. He's a big old buff, marine, tough guy. But he would stand right here today and he would bawl telling you the story of how some dude in Oklahoma responded to a message he wrote sitting in his truck with his weapon in his hand ready to end his life. And I told him I loved him and I didn't even know him. That guy was sitting in Indiana. I have no idea how he found the page he got on. It was Oklahoma bow hunters of all things. But that guy, that guy gave his life to the Lord. We, we've gotten to be around him. We've gotten to meet him and, and hang out with him. And unfortunately, we stood beside him at his wife's funeral just a couple years ago. Hardship. I don't understand why. But God, God allows these things. He, he, at times, he, he allows them to chastise us or even to cut away baggage that we don't need to be carrying. God doesn't require us to prove ourselves to him. We can't. There's no point. It's not about how much we can accomplish or how many people we try to help. That's not it. I'll say that we, I was working in Enid. I have no idea where we were on time. Hey, I'm doing good. Um, I was working in Enid with a, with a gentleman who got me into this paintless dent repair. I, I fix hell damaged cars now for a living. And, and we're, in, we're in Enid and we're talking. He, he went Nazarene Church, Oklahoma City. And his pastoral staff had been challenged by their pastor. He said, we're going to meet once a month. This was all the deacons and the, and the staff. So we're going to meet once a month. And I want you to tell me how many people you've shared Jesus with in this last month. That's a pretty good challenge for a church staff, right? So we're talking about it. He's telling me about this. And you know, he's not the most outgoing person. But man, we deal with people every day, right? So we'd had this big, long conversation all day long. We've been talking about how you know, God puts people in our path and blah, 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 you know. So I leave Enid, and it's like 6 or 7 o'clock. We've worked all day, tired. Saturday night, so we've already worked all week, and now we've added a Saturday. So I'm driving home, and I'm way out here on 51 Highway out west, middle of nowhere. Some of y'all been out that direction. I was coming from 81, coming back. Got to go all the way to Perkins. So I'm driving down the highway, and I... Of course, I was driving a big old Dodge Cummins diesel, big truck at the time, and there's a vehicle flashing lights over on the other side of the highway, just two-lane highway, right? But he's over in a little gateway. Well, I go roaring past him, cloud of dust. Thought, huh, wonder what kind of trouble he's having. It's dark. It's just, just getting dark. Here's this guy, and there ain't a town forever. I'm clear, still clear on the other side of 77 or 4, where it is out there. I'm a ways out still. There ain't nobody around him, no farmhouses. And that conversation that my boss and I had had came back to me. I thought, it! I'm tired. I don't want to deal with this. I slowed down. I turned around. I drove back up there. It just so happened that I'm driving an 04 Dodge, and so's he. And it just so happens that he's got his jack out because he's had a flat tire. He's got a spare. He's got a jack. He's even got a lug wrench. But he ain't got the gizmo to run the jack up to raise the truck off the ground and change his tire. Guess what I had? One that fit. 
So I help him change his tire. This kid's wearing a Christian t-shirt. You know, one of them little, some kind of Christian sayings on his t-shirt. And I saw that, you know. So I made a comment about it. You know what he told me? Oh, it's this shirt somebody gave me. He said, been a long time since I've been to church. I said, really? He said, you're a Christian though, aren't you? I said, yeah. As a matter of fact, I just talked about it today, you know, stopping helping people in trouble. I said, I'll tell you, I didn't really want to, <laughs> but I did. We had a little conversation. I shared with him what I felt about life. Got him on his way to Enid's, where he was headed. I was headed home. Before I got home, I had two text messages from this kid. I'd give him my card, and I told him I was going to try to find him a church in Enid he could go to. I knew of a couple. Rodney's was one of them at the time. So by the time I get home, I got two, two text messages from this kid telling me how much he appreciated me stopping and helping him because not a soul else had stopped. He'd been out there forever. I gave him that stuff about the, the, the church and told him, I said, man, you, you need to get there. You need to get involved. You, need, you, know, you need to let lo- the Lord into your life again and find your home. About a week later, I got a card from him. And it pretty much expressed that thanks all over again. And he said, I, I, I found a place, and I'm trying to, trying to get my life in order. I don't know where he is today. I have no idea. It's not my business. All I did was what God asked me to do. Begrudgingly, but I did it. God does not measure success based on our activities or our accomplishments. That didn't make me any better than anybody else. When I was in Durango, Colorado, I hadn't been in ministry but a year. Challenges came. Imagine that. They tell me, going to have to cut you loose. We can't afford to pay you. I just got here. Sold my home. We sold family land. We cleaned house to get us there. What am I going to do now? I mean, I don't, I've changed my whole life. I, I sold all the all my career tools and everything I was been a part of. Got rid of all of it so that I could focus on ministry. Now, now you're telling me I'm done already? <laughs> I ain't even started. And I'm standing on the platform on, during worship. I'm standing on the platform, and, I, and I'm literally I'm crying. You know, I'm just like, God, I, I failed. I did not accomplish what you sent me here to do. I failed you. And God asked me a simple question. He said, How do you measure success? Well, I had to think about it for two weeks because he didn't give me an answer right there. So for two weeks, I'm thinking about, well, how do we measure success in ministry? Chairs getting full, kids coming to youth, people getting saved, right? I mean, that's successful ministry, right? That's how we measure it. Two weeks goes by, and I'm standing on that same platform, right in the middle of worship again, and God said, it's not how I measure success. I measure success by your obedience to my calling. Mm. See, it ain't about what we do. It ain't about our accomplishments. It's about our obedience to him. It's about, it's about living up to what he's asked us to do. He said to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said to make followers of all people groups. Are we doing it? He bases our success on our obedience God desires our company, our worship, our love. You can go all the way back to the, to the very beginnings of time 
when God created Adam in the garden. Why did he create Adam? He wanted fellowship. He wanted relationship. I, I love that. I, I think I messaged it yesterday in the message I, I did live. But talk, can you imagine? How, the Bible describes how God and Adam walked in the garden in the cool of the evening. Man, I love that. I mean, think about that for a minute. You, you've been out naming animals and flowers and trees and stuff, you know, all day long. You're wore out, right? I mean, what are you going to call that one? Mm, it looks like a deer to me. Well, how about that one? That's, well, it kind of looks like a deer, but I think I'll call that a horse. So you know what Adam's been doing all day, right? He's been working. And in the evening, God would call out to him. And they would stroll through the cool of the garden together. That's what he created us for. He created us to fellowship with him, to be in a relationship with him. Not, not just some Sunday morning thing, but every single moment of every day. Yes. Living our lives in communication with him. Yes. He's really not all that interested in our work. He, he really doesn't need us to do, to do that work. He can do that if he needs to. I mean, I mean, we need to, you know, Paul even talked about working out our salvation. There's a, there's a process involved in that, but it's not quite what we've made it out to be. Good works are good things. It's, it's awesome to give someone a meal and to go feed someone. Isaiah 58 talks about, there's two places in Isaiah 58 you can look up. It mentions it twice in the chapter of feeding the hungry. But the two places mean two different things. One, one spot actually means, take them down here to, to McDonald's and buy them a hamburger. Feed them. But the other one, the other meaning behind feed, feed them is feed them from your soul. Feed them what's inside you. So, so that's what he's called us for. How do we gain back our first love? It's really pretty simple. It's repentance. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, 14. Man, I love this piece of scripture. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn away from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, and come and heal their land. Turning away from the things that are taking us away from God and turning back to him is his embrace, and his embrace. So when I finally gave my life to the Lord after, after years of knowing who he was, but, but never really following him, never, never obeying his word, there was this excitement. You remember that night? Or that day or that moment when you truly surrendered your life to Christ remember it if, if you can't go back to that place maybe you've never been there hmm we'll fix that this is your time this is your place this is what he's called you here for to find that place that, that first love once again that, 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 that love that you can't even describe man, how just something inside of you changed and and man, I, I love it when, as a, you know, as a youth minister, when you get somebody fired up, you know. I mean, you get, you get some kid who finds it, and they go nuts. Everybody's like, oh boy. You know what's terrible? Is you know what we do? Ah, give them a couple weeks, they'll settle down. Oh, why? Why do we need to settle down? Man, this is our time. This is our world. This is God put us here to change this place. He didn't put us here to fit in. It's our time to rise up against the evils of this world and this nation and to take it back. 
to share what we know. We've got the key. I told a young, a young man, one of, our, one of my warriors the other day, guy was really struggling. And I said, John, I said, I want you to picture something. I want you to picture that you're on this cruise ship and you have just learned that it's sinking. And you have the keys to the life jacket vest cabinet. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to open it and, and hand them out. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Guys, let me tell you something. You have the key to the life jacket closet. What are you going to do with it? So he's called us to go into all the world and share the gospel. Finding that first love. Verse 7 sums it all up. To him who overcomes. We've got to endure the hard times. Press in during the lean times. And when we feel all else has failed, trust him and know that when we come out on the other side, we'll recognize he was with us all the time. You think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were just all cheery, geared up, ready to jump in the fire? I think not. I, I really have to wonder what they were thinking. God, are you sure about this deal? I mean, you know, they, they'd actually decided if we die in there, oh well. God will be glorified no matter what. I don't think any of them expected that the ropes were going to be burned away and that Jesus was going to be standing in that fire with them. I don't, I don't think they saw that one coming. But that's where he's at. No matter how hot the fire is around you, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're struggling through, God hasn't left you. He's not turned his back on you. He's right there. He's waiting for you to reach to him. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get burnt. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get hurt. But you're going to have hope that there's a way out and there's a future. God's love for us is a free gift. But like any gift someone tries to give us, it's not yours until you accept it. Ron, do you want to come up? I've asked my wife to just come up and play a little bit. About freaked out on me when I told her she was going to have to do this, but <laughs> so Revelation chapter three verse two, uh, 21 says this: "I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would hear my voice and open the door, I would come into him and dine with him and him with me." God's knocking on the door of your heart this morning. I don't care who you are, whether you're leadership whether you're just somebody off the street it doesn't matter the gift of God is right here he put it in reach of you this morning for a purpose if you're struggling through life if you're struggling through the challenges of life God's knocking on your heart's door this morning if you've not been who he's called you to be he's knocking on your heart's door this morning If you've not been the follower that he needs you to be, he's knocking on your heart's door this morning. This gift is yours. It's free. It's free. But it's up to you to accept it. It's up to you to open that gift and put it into action in your life. You think about the story of the prodigal son. This kid had everything. I mean, he's a rich man's kid. 
He didn't need nothing. I mean, I, I, I just envisioned this dude had the big F-250 lifted, diesel, big old pipe on it, chrome wheels. And this truck was bad. He had the baddest boat behind it. He had everything he needed, but he wasn't happy because he was missing something inside of him. He was missing the heartbeat of God in him. What did he do? He said, Dad, cash me out. I'm out. I'm going to go do this on my own. I got a better plan. I got a better way. I don't need you. Well, I do. I need your stuff, you know, that you're going to give me in the end so that I go have fun. So just cash me out. I'm out now. And he did. What happened? We know the story. He squandered it all away. He partied. He had great friends, great time until the boat got a hole in it and the truck broke down and he was out of money. And we find in that story where he's back slopping hogs, eating the very garbage they were eating. Hog will eat anything. That's nasty. Is that where you're at today? Because the coolest part of that whole story isn't the fact that he decided, you know what? My dad's servants live better than this. I'll just go be just one of his servants. Just a hired hand. At least I'll have three meals and a bed and a place to sleep. That's not even the coolest part of the story. They decided to do that. The coolest part of the story is, is when he's walking home, and I have to wonder, this comes out of the MOV here, why was Dad standing out there looking for him? Mm. Dad knew somewhere down the road my boy's going to figure this out. He's going to come home. And I'm going to be ready for him. And I'm not standing there with a stick. I'm not going to beat him. I'm not going to tell him I told you so. As soon as I see him coming, I'm going to go running for him. My arms open wide. God is standing this morning looking for those who aren't in His grasp. And the moment you turn towards Him, He's going to come running at you. He's going to come embrace you. He's going to put His cloak on you. He's going to put His ring on your finger signifying you're mine. You're one of mine. That's what He's looking for this morning. As we close this morning, I want you to do something for me. I want you to just bow your heads all across this place. I usually don't do a big altar call. But today, today is needed. Man, I don't, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you serve up here on this platform, you serve in this church, you serve somewhere else. I don't care. This is an opportunity for you this morning to come running. If your life is not where it needs to be, there's a gift right here for you. God says it's yours. Come and get it. If you're not allowing Him to move in you the way He needs to, I want you to make your way to the front and I want you to surrender to Him. This isn't no hocus pocus thing. We don't, I ain't into that. It's between you and Him. Not between, I don't put notches in my Bible. I don't make head counts. It's that simple. It's between you and the Lord. If you're not who He has called you to be, I want you to make your way to the front this morning. Find you a place along here. And I want you to open that gift up. 
I want you to allow him to pour into your life this morning in a way he's not done, maybe forever or maybe in a long time. As I close this in prayer, I'm just going to ask you to come find a place to pray. Father, this morning we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the anointing of your word to just flow out over your people. God, you know our hearts. You know who we are. You know where we stand with you this morning. Father, I ask if there be a soul in this place who's not living according to your word, who's not following you wholeheartedly, God, show them that place of their first love. God, as they come to you this morning, let it be fresh and new, wholeness in their life this morning. God, pour your spirit out in a fresh way this morning. Fresh anointing, fresh oil, healing to those who are hurting this morning. Provision for those who are in need this morning. Whatever it may be, God, I ask you to let us find that place of our first love. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need to find you a place to pray, Rhonda's just going to play a little bit. I'll pray with you if you need me to. But otherwise, you can consider yourselves dismissed. Thank you guys so much for being here this morning.